just kind of introducing the the, uh, the room again. This is an official Learning to Lead Clubhouse, and we meet here every morning, uh, every Saturday morning, not every morning, but every Saturday morning at 9.30 Pacific, Pacific Standard Time. Um, in the clubhouse, it's really designed to talk about everything leadership, what we wish we knew when we became a leader and or what we've learned as a leader that we can impart to others in the room. So there's leaders from all levels here in the room um, that bring a great broad diversity in leadership. And whether you're entry-level leader or you're learning uh, and, and learning your way, or you're a seasoned C-suite executive, we're all here to share our experiences, our challenges, our resources, and our perspectives. Um, so we have a great topic today. And as I mentioned earlier, it's just amazing that we're all here on a Saturday morning when we could be doing all kinds of other things but we made time for ourselves and made that investment. So just quick housekeeping. Uh, we are an official clubhouse. So we encourage everybody to follow our clubhouse. You'll get regular notifications of our topics and information on how to access our recaps. Uh, we encourage you to follow us and others in the room as a great opportunity to expand your network. And we also will send invites uh, throughout the time that we're talking here as people come in to join the discussion. We also uh, welcome those that simply want to listen. And uh, if we might see our mics um, going on and off, that's just another, uh, that's basically just a demonstration as a clapping or of us agreeing with somebody, what somebody may be saying. And then there's a kite at the bottom corner on the right side that is, allows you to message us. And we'll keep an eye out for any messages there. In addition, you can also DM us. And lastly, we encourage you to take advantage of our recaps where we summarize uh, our discussions. We also record these discussions and list resources. And you can visit our website at Substack or you can also look for our post in LinkedIn. So today we have a great topic and I'm going to turn it over to Kelly to Wonderful. open us up. Thanks, Tamara. And just a reminder for folks that join us all the time, we're going to likely be kicking off the room, um, partially because we share recaps. So if there's someone who you think would enjoy this content, um, please do share share the recap with them. They get to listen to the discussion as well as read some of our highlights. So with that, I'm really excited about the topic today. Um, one of the, I think, most important pieces of success in leadership comes down to communication, but also presentation and how you actually tell a compelling story uh, to audiences of varying levels, you know, throughout maybe the organization that you're in, or as you are thinking about talking to other counterparts or stakeholders. So we really want to dig into how you prepare for this, what your process is, and what success looks like. But before we jump in, I love to do my favorite, favorite part of the conversation, a reminder that it is important to reflect on you know, how things are going in your life, take moments to look back, what have you learned, what have you experienced, and we like to do that by just picking one word to recap how your week was. So I'm going to start with Tamson. My week was curious. That defines it. Uh, well, the role that I interviewed for last week didn't pan out, it opened a huge door for me into the product management world in our organization. So I'm going to pursue that. And I also got to partake in the Grace Hopper celebration all week. So that was fun and really sparked my curiosity. So that's what I'm going with. Love that on all sides. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to hearing more about your journey into product management. Scott, would you like to share your word with us? All right, Scott, Scott I'll come you're back. on. If I'm you, figuring out oh, how to there he is. 
So I'm a complete newbie to uh, Clubhouse, so please bear with me. Uh, welcome, I guess my, welcome. I guess my uh, word of the is uh, unsettled. We're going through a lot of change at work, and so um, you know, as leaders, we need to both uh, project enthusiasm and uh, and confidence in, in the direction that we're going. But uh, you know, deep down inside, we may be unsettled ourselves. So, oh, big. We just spent a whole. Last week, our topic was all about change. So mm-hmm. we have a lot there. So we totally, I think every single one of us can relate to both having experienced it very recently or going through it right now. So thank you for joining us. And I know it's a, it's a lot to always go through both as a leader and as an individual. Mako. I'm going to go with entertaining. I started my new role this week. And I think somebody put it best by saying it's like you're uh, a new character on season five of a, of a, of a show. So it's a, <laughs> It's been it's been super entertaining this week. Had a had a very good week. Exciting, wonderful, Julie. Hey everyone. Um, I would say my word of the week is um, breakthrough, and that's this has a little bit of a personal bent to it. Um, and the underlying context is that I have finally stopped denying that the last eighteen months have been really kind of just mentally tough for me, and I have taken some steps to um, get some help and to be more regimen. Excellent. That's really, really important. I agree. All right. My order shifted slightly, but I think I still have it. I'm going to go to Mark next. For me, it's going to be solid. Um, With all of the change going on, uh, um, I feel like we're finally getting to some solid ground and and we'll be able to really move forward. Oh, yes. I know what you mean, Mark. Uh, Amrita. Hi, um, it has been a bit tiring for me, uh, a lot of change and then all of the changes or th- that affect me or my team, it has been just a bit of a hustle for me to stay up to date and make sure the, the relevant information gets to my team. I feel this topic is perfect for today um, because I'm just trying to keep up with everything that is going on and um, stay up to date, keep my team up to date so that they, they get the information at, you know, at the right time or uh, from me or from, from the actual sources they should be getting the information from. So it's a bit, uh, it's, it's hustle and it has been a dire oh, yes. week for me. We all can relate to those, those busy weeks. Gary. Um, for me, it's been eye-opening. Um, I've been working with an executive coach uh, the last couple of weeks, and uh, this week he he gave me some advice, which should have been obvious, I think, but um, I think it's really going to help me open some doors. Fantastic. Congratulations. We'll be looking forward to hearing more from your learnings from, from the executive coaching experience you're going through. Chuck, good, good morning. Thanks. Hi, good morning. Um, I would say fun. Um, I connected with my wife and kids this week uh, who are doing a West Coast trip and been staying in um, the Los Angeles area, Uh, went to Universal Studios, um, so having some fun, working remotely too a little bit, but just really enjoying being out of the house. That's great. Yeah, change of scenery, a little fun, always important. Tamara. I would use the word uh, energized. I, I feel like I'm starting to sort of see this uh, light at the end of the tunnel with a lot of changes that have been going on within my uh, department. And I'm feeling like we're starting to get to where we need to be. So 
I'm really looking forward to what the future holds. Wonderful. That's also very exciting. All right. My word for the week would probably be influence. I, I have wrapped up my fourth week in a new role and I you know have been very, very focused on the work at hand, but this was a week of preparing for a lot of, you know, different work sessions that are going to be going on. And I really had to lean on the power of influence across multiple levels. And I think it's feeds into today as well, but it was an important reminder that sometimes it's about the work that you're doing, but also it's about all the other actions that you're doing and the influence that you can have both leading and managing up as well as managing those around you on your direct or indirect teams. So that was my kind of wrap up and will continue to be a big theme, I think, for the next couple of weeks as I prepare for some big strategic work that we're doing. So with that, I want to kind of jump into this topic. So we kind of had this is framed up as communication and the art of storytelling. And I think about this in two lens. One is about, you know, how you're communicating a little bit with Emery to hit on, right? How you're communicating with those around you on your direct team, but also I think a critical part of being a leader is how you actually also develop your style for presentations. Um, I work at Disney, I've been at Disney for a long time. And I think like most companies that work in a creative space, storytelling becomes a part of everything that we do. It doesn't matter if you're a filmmaker um, or you're an engineer, everybody kind of embraces and is a part of this act of storytelling. And I think it becomes such a critical part for how we can be successful in really conveying an important message, getting buy-in and working with our leaders. So today I really wanna kind of talk about this through three kind of areas. One, just a little bit of the how-to. How do you go about pre presenting something, getting, getting prepared for that, getting buy-in, going through the process of getting ready to go into a presentation with maybe your upper management and talking through something? Why is it important to do this as a leader? What is the kind of critical point in evaluating these types of this type of work? And then what are the things that you can actually think about as you navigate some of the challenge that may come out as a result of this? So we want to walk between the kind of high level, but also some of the learnings as we think about different folks that may have had different levels of exposure in presenting, getting in front of audiences and conveying specific expertise or a point of view. So I know a lot of folks on the call, I've worked with a few of you, so I know you all have very distinct styles and approaches. So I'm looking forward to kind of really hearing from everyone about how you approach a presentation to communicate a specific point of view. I'll start with a few, but we're gonna start with kind of just the, the how-tos, right? How do you start doing this? So from my perspective, I think one of the number one first steps of preparing for a presentation where you need to communicate something and you need a decision or just advocacy and buy-in is really knowing your audience and really knowing who you're speaking to and what they care about. That's one of the most important ways that you can really tap into what's important for them. So you're speaking to them from a place they care about. And sometimes the question is, well, how do you do this? And I think it's partially you know, understanding the business dynamics, having conversations with your network. But I would love to hear if there's other tips folks have, because I think this is such a big one of knowing who you're speaking to and what they care about so that you can actually have a really compelling value add conversation with them and for them. So I'll pause there before I go on to some other tips as well. You know, you know, Kelly, I'll, I'll throw something out because we've been through this journey before, right? Because I've been specifically with it, you know, through with, with you, um, you know, I, I would say it was actually really interesting because, you know, when, when I joined Disney, oh, I don't know, 
you've been there longer than I have, I think. But when I joined it years and years and years ago, I, I used to see tons of decks that were always like, here's, here's, you know, basically like reading a word document. It was, it was actually surprising to me many years ago uh, about like sort of the lack of storytelling in some of the, um, some of the decks that, that, that were being presented. And I think, you know, one of the most challenging things as a leader um, trying to get their team comfortable and speaking to your point to the audience. So, you know, I, I'll use one, which is one I always love to do, but it, you know, I love to inject humor into, in, into my decks. Obviously you have to know the audience. And if you're presenting up to a bunch of senior leaders, they may not appreciate, you know, slides full of tacos, but, um, you know, if, uh, I think you were there for that, I was, I did my taco <laughs> chart, but epic. I mean, you know, but the thing is it was memorable. That was the thing. I mean, you know, I don't even remember what that thing was, what, what that deck was about, but you know what? Everyone talks about my taco slides. It's been like, years and I keep getting pings about taco slides. So I, I guess it's just sort of what you're trying to convey and who you're trying to convey it to. I mean, some basic things that I have found is first off, most people in organizations are not comfortable in talking. You know, whether it's a small group, whether it's a large group, I would say, you know, if you're a leader and you want to get, you know, your team uh, more effective working across the organization, you, you got to get them, them, you know, to have the ability to communicate an idea and, and how you do it. There's lots of different ways to do it. There's, there's storytelling in the sense of, you know, uh, self-reflection, there's storytelling in the sense of just lots of data, um, you know, but I guess, you know. To your point, the number one thing is you got to know who you're presenting to and reading the audience. I mean, I, I've stepped in it a couple of times, you know, not not knowing the audience. And I know Mark's going to probably comment because he's probably seen me step in it many times. So. <laughs> For all other kinds of reasons, though, uh, Mako. Um, one thing also you may want to keep in mind is what kind of presentation is, you know, what kind of material are you going to have? Uh, you know, Mako mentioned a word, you know, a presentation that looked like a Word document. Is this a presentation or is, is this a takeaway deck or is this you know a in-person kind of um presentation because those may influence your uh, what you put on paper and what you're having people read because the natural tendency is and i've been in many meetings where you hand this out to a c-level executive they already start thumbing through it right and and so you want to be prepared of like okay what's if they're going to be um thumbing through it like do you want them to do that do you want to control it how do you want to tell your story? And, and those are, you know, some key elements into the materials that you prepare. And I've seen some executives, uh, believe it or not, make heavy financial, like annual operating plan uh, materials look great. You know, they moved away from the, uh, you know, uh, Excel charts and things like that and, and actually made it into a presentable story, but it required really changing the presentation so that it was a presentation only deck, not a takeaway deck. So, you know, think about the materials that you're going to create. I think that's also a great one. I'll, I'll add on there, you know, Guy Kawasaki, uh, for those that don't know him, he used to be one of the evangelists early on at, at Apple. And he has this, I think it's like a 15, 30, 80 rule. I can't remember the exact, the exact rule, but like you should always make your font on your deck, like 80 point. And like make it huge, so you only can fit a couple words on the slide. And you know, I like using full bleed uh, art on a lot of my decks. I throw a lot of a lot of things because, like, frankly, if if you know, first off, if you're comfortable with the material, you should be able to talk about the material and not have to reference your deck. I mean, this is sort of a background prop to to you know put out an idea. 
um, you know, again, if you're in a strategy meeting with like, you know, five execs, it's probably a very different conversation than presenting to an audience of 100, 200 people. But, you know, Mark is 100% on. If you have a lot of words on your slide, people are just going to be reading the slide. They're not going to be listening to you. So it's really about, you know, what you're trying to effectively um uh, push uh, out as your message and sort of what you want to communicate. Um, I will also throw out another thing I always do, and maybe this is good or bad. I'd love to, to, to see the feedback. I never really even go into a bio slide. You know, it's like I've been in deck, you know, in conferences and I go to places and it's like the first four, you know, slides is like this, you know, this person's history. I, you know, I actually don't do that, you know, and I found that to be somewhat effective for, for me because like they know I know what I'm talking about. If I'm up there talking about it, I'm moving my hands around, I'm walking around, I'm interacting with the audience, you know, but if I'm, you know, but if it's like, you know, my, my resume up there, it's, it seems like it's always a little, a little fake to me. I don't know, but I, I do, I, I do say bring <laughs> props and, uh, yeah, slides. I think this, very this is all really phenomenal feedback because I, I think you're you're absolutely right. And the and the reason specifically I think we talk about presentations through the lens of storytelling is, you know, at the core, it's it's really understanding how do you speak to someone and create something that's memorable. Right. I think we've all been in presentations where it has been just a bunch of words on a slide, right? And to Mark's example, you know, you, you know, go into some finance conversations. And yes, there is times there's times when you need to have data, you need to have um, you need to go into some in-depth conversations, but I'm a huge believer in trying to even open the conversation to get really grounded in why are we here? Why should anybody care about this? Why did I spend time putting this together? Why are you in the room listening to this? So that people actually feel compelled by the topic and, you know, make us hit on things like humor and props and different things. And I think regardless, even with the humor piece, if that's not appropriate for the audience, what is the the piece that you can actually do that will separate this conversation and make it memorable. And I think it's even more important when you're talking about, you know, a decision-making meeting where you might be asking for investments or buy-in, you really want to get to the core of, I'll, I'll use the word, right? The emotion of the conversation. You want to tap into something with people, which is, I think, why, you know, some of the rules of when you think about a company that stands out for presentations is Apple, right? Apple's talking about hardware and sometimes the hardware is not dramatically different than what they have out, but they strike a chord, right? They try to hit something that is meaningful and memorable and emotional to their audience. And that's true for us, no matter what the topic is, no matter how benign or potentially boring you might think it might be, you still want to make sure that it's emotional, it's memorable, and it stands out so that your audience is engaged with you, not tuning you out. Yeah, I would just kind of add that, you know, you want to, I kind of think of it in sort of three buckets, which is you start out by the, with the purpose, with the problem, with what you're trying to convey, as you said, why they're here. And then really trying to, you know, at the, what you want to do is when you walk away, you want them to think or feel something different than when they walked in the room. And then number three, the th third bucket would be really, really, what do you want them to do differently at the end of all this, right? So if you can, if you can tap into your point, Kelly, that emotion, that's when the engagement happens, is if we can get them to, to, to feel like this is really important to them, that there's something that they need to do differently. Yeah, I think there's some nuts and bolts that have been hit on here as well, which I think you know, um, I'll share, of course, as always, I like to shout out resources, right? So if there's things that you like or that you're, you've used, um, send them over to myself or Tamara and, and I'll include them in the recap. But there's a lot of different resources even about, you know, the amount 
of words you have on a slide, but also psychologically understanding that generally people cannot listen to you and read at the same time. So there's even just kind of the foundational nuts and bolts. And I think Mako, you hit on this, which is, you know, we want to go in with a clear perspective of what our goal is, right? Why are we here? What problem are we trying to solve? And what is the takeaway? But we also then have to do our homework. So in addition to knowing our audience, we then have to make sure we really understand our content. Where do we have gaps potentially? Where are there unknowns that we still have to do more homework? That's going to happen. But also really feeling confident so that when we walk in that room, we don't need to have a bunch of text on the slide because we know that content. That we don't need to read something and speak to someone and challenge our audience to do the same with us. That it becomes more of a conversation. I I will always and I won't I won't name them. But there's a very senior leader um, at Disney, and I remember talking to this individual, you know, about their presentation, and they were a very natural speaker, um, and they would speak as if they were just like we are talking here today. And I would kind of talk to them about preparing for their presentations, and they told me that they actually would really prep for their presentation. This is a very senior person. They said, you know, I would build my presentation out, and I would kind of write my script out of what the point is, what I'm trying to get across. And I would memorize that and I would get so comfortable with what I want to say and what my content is. And by the time I'm up there speaking, it is no longer something that I have to really worry about or get nervous about. Like I know exactly what I'm going to say and it allows it to feel much more natural and conversational. And that takes a lot of work to get there. It takes a lot of prep, but I think it's really important. So it doesn't become me reading from a script and me feeling really stiff and then not being able to actually engage and read the room, lean into topics that I feel like my audience wants to go deeper on or move through something that maybe they already have and they don't need to hear any more about and we can move on to the next topic. So I think just even from a nuts and bolts, as you think about preparing, those are some of the things that I have seen that really help us, you know, again, feel more confident and successful in those conversations so that we feel really prepared. You know, the other- I think- I'm I'm gonna throw Gary under the bus here, but uh, you know, not under the bus, but yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call on him. But you know, I think that's you know another thing too is like you know not everybody's comfortable, right? Right, getting up there and talking, and I would just say it's like a muscle, right? Like you gotta exercise it, you gotta uh, do it, you know, frequently, especially if you like this type of stuff. You gotta get up there and read a lot, and you have to. Uh, uh, you know, see other people's styles. I watch tons of presentations. I watch tons of, um, you know, there's some great references out there like Gar Reynolds or Guy Kawasaki or, um, you know, there's all these great folks who've done great stuff. But I would say you have to realize, especially if you're running an organization that most people in organization, they they don't like speaking in front of people. And, you know, I'll, I'll I'll hand it. I don't know, Gary, you were going to go down there or not, but, you know, there was a lot of things that we did inside uh, that organization when, was, when Gary was reporting to me on just really trying to get the people who, cause they, they interacted with everybody across the business, how to get them more comfortable and lots of different things to try there. So I'll, I'll, I'll toss it to Gary. Yeah. I'd love to um, chime in there. One of the things I was going to say though, is, is Kelly, I think it's really important on what you said is you need to know, just the storyline of your deck and, and and really understand the flow of it less you know you, you don't need to just 
keep prepping on the words. For me, it's really just understanding the flow of my deck, understanding the storyline and sticking to the things that I know well, rather than, you know, getting tricked into going off topic. And, you know, I always loved presenting in front of Mako because he would always sort of raise his hand and, and try to throw in those left, uh, left field uh, questions to throw you off hilter. But as long as you stay to what you know, I, I, I think you're, you're in a safe place. But I think what, what Steve really wanted me to sort of call out on is, is one of the things he sort of encouraged our whole organization to do is, is just get everybody comfortable with talking. So um, one of the things that we, we did with Steve was we uh, did a, a talk, um, a tech talk in front of the whole company. Everybody in my organization had five minutes to do a Ignite type conversation where they would get up and just present on anything that they felt like. It didn't even have to be anything to do with work. It was just getting them up there, getting them comfortable talking in front of people, um, but on topics they really knew. So they didn't have to think too much about, you know, what they're talking about, what the words were. Um, I think some people even talked about themselves and, and, and just talked about their bio. So it, it, some people before that were really, really nervous, but everybody by the end of it felt it was really worthwhile. And even those that were, you know, uh, shaking before they went on, came off and just uh, acknowledged that it was a great experience and um, it really helped them. Yeah, I love it. Such a great, and I, I remember that. I remember that that forum going on. And I think it's two parts that's really impactful there. I think, you know, one, as we think about ourselves as individuals, and I think, you know, Mika, what you were hitting on, right? The idea that you have to understand that this takes practice, that you don't wake up one day. And then look, there's some people who are just very naturally outgoing and confident. And sure, they might wake up and just have no problem walking in a room and giving a presentation. But for the vast majority of people, it takes practice. You have to kind of go through it. You have to make mis mistakes, learn from those mistakes, and just start to build that muscle of moving through you know, the nerves and maybe the anxiety of like going through this. But I think it's really important, the second part, you know, to, to Gary walking through the, the forum that, that you all ran, is how do we also help our teams and those around us get that practice? Because it's, you know, we don't want to just drop everybody into the deep end and put them in front of a really, you know, potentially highly stressful environment and start presenting, you know, but can we actually create some forums? And I, I love the idea of present anything, anything you want, just you're going to get, you know, everybody's going to come here, even playing field, and we're all just going to present anything that we want for five minutes. So just start to get comfortable getting in front of everyone and knowing that you're going to be okay and you're going to get through it and just continue to work that muscle to get more comfortable and getting up in front of folks, sharing your perspective, because again, it is, it is so critical. There's another great tip to do too. Like if you're giving a presentation, probably, you know, if you're in a large audience of mixed folks and you don't know, you know, who's there, for example, one thing I always do is, you know, I always throw out one of the first things is, you know, you know, raise your hand here if you're a software engineer or raise your hand here if you're here from HR or raise your hand here just to try to get a pulse of your audience, right? Because if you have a, a somewhat technical conversation that you realize most of your audience are not technical, like you got to be able to pivot, right? Or vice versa, if you have something that's kind of fluffy and you know that folks are going to be um, more technical and want to deal in, you got to also be able to pivot in, into that thing. And, you know, for the humor part of it, like, you know, I, I got in trouble once because I, I didn't do that. And I, and I was just trying to inject some humor at the beginning of a conversation. And I was like, all right, you know, everybody reach under your chair and see if there's a pink slip, you know, and like HR actually called me afterwards, like, you know, you can't do that. Right. 
Like, you know, you, that is not okay. And please don't do that again. So. All right. Well, I love that. I'm going to actually use that Mako because that's hilarious and multiple different descriptions. But um, I think there's something to what you just hit on, which is I do want to talk a little bit about, we've talked about preparing. I want to talk a little bit about why it's important. But before we go there, I want to talk about what happens when things go wrong, right? What happens when your presentation's not going well? What happens when you lose your audience? Um, what happens when somebody interrupts, right? Gary, you made a joke and talked about or made a comment about how how Mako and I, I knowing Mako would, you know, ask some out of left field questions, you know, and, that, and part of, I think, just challenging us to respond and be engaged. We're not just talking at people, but we often are presenting, but we need to be able to have a conversation. So let's talk a little bit about, maybe you have a story of this is when something went sideways. Maybe this, this presentation did not go well. Maybe you made a joke and HR called you. Um, or maybe you did something and you had to react in a moment. So you had a moment where it's like, look, this is this is going to happen. Someone's going to ask you a question. They're going to challenge you. How do you respond to that? And how you've reacted to those moments, because that will happen. Uh, in our presentations, something will go wrong. It will go sideways. And how do you navigate that? And how do you respond in the moment to come out of that or take those learnings? And how do you apply that again to preparing for your next presentation? Okay, so this is Tamara. I'll jump in here. Um, I had a, a, an, an instance uh, like this. It wasn't necessarily something I did wrong, but I was presenting to, you know, the C-suite and I was, you know, sharing some data and talking through, you know, some various important, um, you know, points here. And we had the in, the, in the CEO in the room, there was a lot of pressure on the company at the time. And, you know, I'm going through my presentation and working through my, my material and he suddenly asked me this question about some data that I didn't have readily available or, you know, information I could share with him in a, in a, uh, a slide of, of data, which I, you know, I, I have to do that in my world because in healthcare, you know, we, we look at data, but you always also have to have, you know, enough dialogue behind. Anyway, he asked me the question and it came across as being very pointed and almost trying, you know, it was like a sense of trying to unravel what, what I was doing. And, um, and in that moment, lots of, lots of things could have gone wrong. I could have completely got off kilter, got a, lost my focus, et cetera. Um, I didn't, um, I just simply responded to him that I didn't come prepared with that particular data and that particular information to speak to today, but I would be happy to circle back with him and provide him with that information later. And my, my, um, in my mind, what I was thinking the entire time was that this individual or this leader is under incredible pressure around what he was asking me about. So I was able to um, get the personal piece out of it that I was, you know, that he was setting me up or that he was saying something to try to throw me off, um, but rather that he was under pressure and he was acting out on that pressure. And so I think it's real important that those distractions or like, you know, what I think Gary was saying about Mako would sort of try to throw him off. You have to be prepared for those things and be really nimble in how you respond to those situations to keep yourself on course and also to keep your credibility in place. And I think you're bringing up a great point too. Like I think it's super important to be able, not only even in, uh, you know, if you're answering Q and A or somebody says something or you got to be able to say, you know, anyway, like, I don't know. 
Like, I, I don't have that information with me. I don't know. It's, you know, I'll find it and I'll get it to you, but I just don't know right now. You know, I mean, you got to be okay in doing that. I mean, it's a hard thing because people never want to appear vulnerable like that, but it's, it's super, it's so damn important. Yeah. And tapping, tapping onto that is, I think that the, the term vulnerability, vulnerability for most of the rest of the people in the room probably were feeling like, oh my God, what's going to happen next. Right. And so for me to just simply say, I don't have that information readily available. I'll get back to you. That showed my vulnerability and probably a lot of people had empathy for me in the moment. And then also respected me because I was able to respond in a way that, kept my credibility in check. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's huge. I think it's a, it's a great example. So thank you for sharing that because I think, again, we're all, we're all probably have experienced that. And if you haven't yet, you will. Um, Someone might be having a bad day. Someone might interrupt you and then just ask you a question. I think being able to navigate that in the moment, kind of keep your cool, but also I think it is really important to both of what you, what you've hit, which is we have to be comfortable saying, I don't know. And even again, back to the preparation, as you're going through your content, you're going to try to know everything. You're going to try to, you know, that's just, you know, preparing and doing your research, but there will be gaps and, and understand where those gaps are. And there might be some that are unknown, but be okay saying, Hey, we're looking at it from these lenses and, and we'll come back and I'll come back and find out, you know, more about that question specifically versus trying to make it up, which really can actually damage your credibility versus having a moment of admitting that, that there is more work that can be done and more information to gather and you'll circle offline, which I think is, is far more impactful. You know, I, I know Courtney's done some, some pretty big DevOps uh, conference talks. Have you had any like major demo fails or, uh, you know, kind of things go sideways? I, I'm just kind of curious. Um, not, not demos, but I definitely have had, um, you know, uh, what logistical challenges, like your content won't load or, you know, in the middle of the presentation, you lose, you know, visualization. I've had that stuff happen. So, you know, being prepared just to roll with it and figure out how might you just continue to engage the audience uh, when you have those things happen. Um, definitely have had that for sure. You know, what I found is a good one is swag. I, 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 you know, when I'm doing a, like a presentation like, to a group in the, you know, like the old days, I would say, you know, when we had like, the, you know, in-person presentations, um, you know, I'd always bring like t-shirts and stuff too. Like if something goes wrong or goes south, I got to pivot to a, Hey, let's do a giveaway. Yeah. You know, I'm like, people love free <laughs> shit. So, you know, this, you know, uh, I've thrown but, candy out into the audience. Right. I mean, it's just, it makes it more fun and more lighthearted. Yeah, it is too. actually a good point though. And also I think, you know, it's, it's great. I'm glad, I'm glad that you asked Courtney that question. And I think, you know, Courtney, as you hit on it, it will also happen, right? I've had, I've had meetings where we're getting ready to start and even in a remote setting and also in person where, um, the presentation won't load and we're trying to vamp and we're trying to kill time in the beginning of the conversation. And then it was a wonder to be rescheduled. All those things happen and it could be really incredibly nerve wracking, depending especially on who the audience is. So kind of having your fallback, you know, is this content something that has to actually be seen? So therefore we need to reschedule. Is there some way that we can be prepared to navigate this to start the conversation without the material? So again, be prepared. And then, you know, I think, you know, there's two lenses here. One is maybe you're presenting to a leader in your organization or more senior leaders in your organization. That's one, you know, a lot of, I think what we've been talking about is very much to that lens. But I think to the swag, right? And the giveaway is when you're engaging a large audience, right? 
then, you know, that's also remembering that folks are really there to hear from you. They want to hear what you have to say. And when you can get them on your side, right, you can throw candy out, you can, right, you um, can you know, give away swag, whatever it is, that can be really impactful to engaging them so that they are, they are there with you, even if it's, hey, we have no slides today, technology has failed us, let's just have a conversation. And then it can become far more lighthearted, far more fun, instead of this everyone cringing to watch that this presentation is failing because there is no slides or something's not working or a demo is failing. I actually like presentations, doing presentations with no slides. I think for me, slides just make it much more difficult and, and for me, much more anxious than just feel like I'm having a conversation, right? And and for me, what it's always helped and what I've communicated to others is don't mirror yourself after somebody else. Mirror yourself after yourself because people in the audience will know if that is kind of you being you or are you trying to be somebody else? It's okay if you have your ums, it's okay if you have your, right? If you're just being your true self, people will flow with you and then appreciate to, to what everybody was saying of, people know it's difficult. It's not easy to go talk in front of, you know, 100 people. It's not easy to go talk in front of two layers up in the organization. And if and if they don't understand that and they, and they aren't empathetic, then, to me, that says a lot because everybody's been there, yep. right? And so that to me is what usually helps me is to say, hey, Artie, what is your style? Just be true to your style and just kind of kind of yeah, go into it. I love that it. so much. That is such an important reminder because I think that, you know, and, and we've joked about, you know, Mako's, you know, using taco and tacos charts and humor and if I was to go up and all of a sudden start making presentations and for folks that, that have that known me and worked with me, if I started to do that, it would not feel authentic to who I am. Um, it's just not the way that I present. It's not the way that I tell stories because to Artie's point, I have my own style and I've discovered what my style is and how I can successfully deliver a message, right? Mako has his own style. You know, other people that you watch maybe as you're looking out there and seeing what works have their own. So it's such a wonderful reminder to don't try to just mirror. I love that kind of term. Instead, really spend the time to understand what works for you, what is authentic to who you are, and show up that way. Because no matter what, that's always going to help you be more comfortable and confident. And it's also going to reflect better and more authentically to your audience, who we will all see, right? It's that point of authentic leadership and and also back to the vulnerability point, people can see if you're going through the motions or if you're really showing up as your true self, which will have far more impact. So thank you for that reminder. I, I would like to share an example uh, or a recent thing I did. Um, uh, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, it was about a process that I, I wanted to uh, educate uh, my team on. And typically I've seen that um, when, when, whenever there was any training uh, for that process, it's incident management, um, we, even me being part of such trainings, I, I saw always the audience was always quiet and they didn't engage. Oh, it's a process. It's a known process. Um, it, it's run by an organization outside of ours. So we just comply. 
Um, so I wanted to make sure that that my team understands the value and has um, and and we have a conversation about it rather than you know me presenting on it or saying oh this is the process we have to follow or something like that. Uh, so I and this was something that I did for the first time and it also took a bit of courage for me personally. Uh, and what I did was I started the, the meeting with a two minute video and that video was Dwight's fire drill from the office. Um, there, there were some people, uh, who couldn't relate to it, who didn't watch that series, but there were, there were many who were like, who didn't even watch the series, but, um, they immediately understood. And that actually led to a whole lot of uh, discussions around certain things and aspects of it um, and what should we do when there's chaos. And it was amazing. I, um, and uh, that, that, that video was really, really helpful. Yeah, I love that example as well. It's a great, a great point. And um, again, being at Disney, you know, quite frequently, and I'm sure at a lot of entertainment companies, especially, um, we use what's called a sizzle quite frequently. So if we're doing a really big presentation, um, internally or externally, we're going to make many an internal sizzle. The point of that is to exactly what you did, Marina, which is kind of to have a video. This video kind of opens it up. It kind of kicks off the conversation. It sets the tone of what we are here for. Is this aspirational? Is this about you know, leaning into an opportunity? Are we exciting? What are we doing? Right. And it's really kind of lifts the whole room and videos, I will say, and it's probably along the lines of the, the same impact of things like humor is those can be really great openers to really, again, mentally prepare a room for why we are here and getting the right energy level, even in the room to then go in. And to your point, maybe not even need to have slides. And so you're just having a conversation about you know, what we're trying to do here, what we're trying to solve or what our opportunity might be. So it's such a wonderful example. All right, for our last 15 minutes, um, in addition, you of course share anything that may have sparked as you've been thinking about this. One of the things I do wanna talk about is, and we talked a little bit about it, we've kind of talked around it. What advice do you give someone who is really nervous? about presenting. So we've talked a lot about you got to prepare, you got to know your audience and you got to know that you're going to get nervous, but what are some of the things that you do because we all get it. Um we all go through that that feeling that first kind of the rush of having to get past the fear, getting over the anxiety, but it's very real and I think in addition to what we talked about the examples of creating forums to teach our teams and give them a safe space to practice, what advice do you give folks that are kind of continuing to work through this. And I have some ideas, but I'm happy to kind of open it to the floor and what are some of the tools and tactics you use to overcome nervousness, anxiety, or fear when you're going through early presentations or even maybe experiencing it still, uh, maybe the stakes are higher, maybe it's a different forum or it's always present and you have to just figure out how to navigate it. Uh, if I could jump in, this is uh, Izzy. I, I came in a bit late, so I appreciate the room. Uh, what I do um, is ask people what they're nervous about uh, to pinpoint because there's a difference between a vague anxiety and the ability to say, well, I'm nervous about this. And the, the, the top two or three things that, that people are nervous about is what if I don't remember what I'm going to say? Uh, another is what if I ask, they get questions that I'm not able to answer? Um, and and uh, a third is uh, what if they, they see I'm nervous? And, and I'll just say quickly, 
people in the audience, when they see you're nervous, will empathize with you because they can uh, relate to that. So one suggestion is admit it. Uh, walk out, say, hi, this is my name's Izzy. I'm here to talk about it and tell you the truth. I'm kind of nervous. That uh, that goes back to what somebody else mentioned earlier about authenticity. Be real. If you're nervous, be real. And people connect with it. In terms of uh, what if they ask questions I can't answer? Again, it's it, the, the, the plan is, okay, um, let, me, let me get back to you on that. Or um, that's not really something I'm an expert in. Let me find out for you. Or is there somebody else in the room? Um, or can uh, we take this offline talk later? So you have four or five things to, to, to do. Um, and the, the piece about if you forget it, uh, well, the, it goes back to don't memorize, don't have a script, have an outline have a flow. This is a storytelling program. Essentially, a, a presentation is a story, and they don't need to know every detail. And as my comedy writing teacher many years ago instructed me when I asked about a fear about um, uh, that kind of thing, he says, um, uh, the audience never knows what you leave out. So if you construct an outline, a design that has flow, they don't need to know all the details. They, they just need to know what you're trying to get to. So um, that's my suggestion. Uh, this is Izzy. I am done for now. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I fully agree with with, with all of that. Um, especially if you miss things out, there's always opportunities if you remember it a bit later on to introduce it on a, a little later and and just to circle back around to things that you have missed out. Um, but one of the other things I was going to call out was when you ask are asked questions. If they are a little bit um, off topic, is there a way that you can bring them back on topic? I think one of the most memorable ones that Mako um, threw out to me was my first presentation at Disney. It was a little dry and um, Mako was trying to sort of uh, introduce some, some fun into it. So at, at the end, when we asked for questions, his question to me was, you know, is Gary the only person... Um, who hasn't seen Star Wars yet, the new Star Wars movie was coming out and the whole room erupted in laughter. And, you know, it gave me the opportunity to spin it back around to my my presentation, which was security. So I waited for the, the laughter to die down and then explained to people, well, I'd actually found the release schedule out on a, a, an open drive somewhere. So I knew when it was going to be streaming at home and I was happy to wait until then. So it gave me the opportunity to spin it back around to my presentation and, and get it back on topic again. And, you know, that one stuck with me. I thought that one was quite fun. Uh, yeah, what I was going to uh, uh, build on was Izzy, yours of people don't know what you don't what you didn't put in there because they're here. They're there to hear you speak. So they don't know if you meant to not put that in there, put something in there. So I really appreciate that and really uh, enjoyed that because that's something I had to um, continuously learn as well is, yeah, like how do they know that I didn't say something that I wanted to say? What I felt, what I what I provide others is just pause. It might feel very uncomfortable for you. Like if you pause five seconds, might seem like two and a half hours. But by you just pausing, you can regather your thoughts. You can really, you know, try to figure out where you might want to go and it will just kind of flow into there. So a pause is a very powerful thing in a presentation to figure out how and where to navigate. That makes a lot of sense, Artie. And, I, and my, my belief is that the pause is what people refer to when they say it's all about timing. If you think about it, if you pause the right at the right place, 
for about three to five seconds, what happens to the audience is that they are pulled towards you because of the anticipation. What's next? In a joke or humor, they're waiting for the punchline. In a, a, a presentation, they're waiting for the next point. So essentially, the pause, not only does it get you back grounded, but it gives you back control over the energy between you and the audience. This is Izzy. I'm done. Yeah, I love all that. I think that those are all really phenomenal points. And I think, you know, I love the idea of the pause and embracing the pause. And those are the moments that if you start to feel that you're nervous and your things are going sideways or you're, you know, kind of getting out of control, take a minute, pause, breathe. Uh, I love the reminder from, you know, Izzy, that this is also a point where people actually do lean in and engage. It kind of reignites the the attention of the audience and to use that and to remember that you are presenting for a reason. There is expertise you have, there is knowledge that you have, and there is a reason that you're in front of this room. So embrace that. And again, really embrace your role as the storyteller in that room and that this is a story that you get to unfold. You get to choose the pacing of that and that it can feel very nerve wracking, but know that people ultimately are here to learn from you, to hear from you. And so if you embrace it from that perspective, then it can really help you better navigate that and really embrace those moments of how you're pacing it out, how you're unfolding that story so that you don't feel overwhelmed or feel like it's maybe getting out of control and, and starting to take on a life of its own or going in directions that are really not what you have intended and try to get it back on course to Gary's example. Well, also, you know, as you said, you know, people are there to learn from you, right? They, they, they don't necessarily know all the data, right? So it's like, sometimes if you speak with conviction and you speak with confidence and you, and you sound like, you know, what you're talking about, I mean, they don't, they don't know if your number is, you know, you say like 83% of blah, they don't know, really know if it's 83% most of the time, right? Like, you know, they're there to listen to you. And, you know, I would say the, the thing on losing flow for me as well, one of the, I mean, that's why I apply humor. I mean, look, I have, I have probably the largest imposter syndrome more than anybody I know. So, but for me, it, it doesn't come across because I, or at least I don't think it does, uh, because, you know, I try to inject a lot of humor, but it's, 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 a, it's a way for me to connect with, you know, the, the people in the audience to, to sort of redirect things and just kind of get control. Cause like, I don't know about anybody else, but when I'm up there talking sometimes, like I don't actually practice my presentations a lot. I just know the material and you kind of get into the Zen flow of just rolling and you just start talking and, you know, you're, you know, as, as already said, you know, no slides or minimal slides, like, you know, just to, to try to convey a, a feeling or an emotion that you're trying to evoke. Like, I think that's super powerful. Um, but, you know, if you can get yourself, you know, into that state, you know, ignoring the fact that there's 20, 50, 100, 200 people, whatever in front of you and just, you know, kind of get into that zone of talking and just flow. I, I, there's something magical about that, I find. Also, what I've what it's helped me in particular, the first couple times I presented in front of a large audience in like an auditorium was I found a person that. I kind of knew or would look felt like a friendly face and I just had a conversation with them. And then, you know, there's a sea of people out there, but most people don't know if you're just looking at one person, if you're looking at, right. And so I just had found just individuals and just had conversations with them throughout the presentation. Yeah. It's such a great tip, especially again, as you're navigating being nervous. And again, this is, it's very natural. And I think, you know, Mako, you hit on it, which is there's always some element 
you know, I think for most of us, I think that a lot of folks, right, we do experience imposter syndrome at some point. And depending on the audience, it can be sometimes very intimidating, right? And we kind of make this it be a, a much more intimidating situation in our head. But the more that, you know, I love the, the tip of like, find the friendly face in the room, even if it's a smaller room, like find who's on your side in that room and, and know that someone's there along in that journey with you, you know, know the, co the content so you can speak instead of worrying about a script and missing something, because that's, again, your audience won't know as we've hit on, you know, but I think it's also, it's really important to just know that everybody deals with some element of imposter syndrome. So remind yourself that you have value, you have knowledge, and there's a reason that you're in this room. So step into that moment. And I think as we're getting to our last you know, few minutes, it's really about remembering why it's important to take your place as the presenter, as the storyteller. And I had a, a mentor before tell me that, you know, if, if when we're talking about kind of, you know, teams and inclusivity and, and surrounding yourself with people who not only make you better and challenge you, but bring a different skill set is, well, if we only needed, you know, one perspective or one point of view, then there'd only be one person in the room. But you're in the room because you have a perspective, you have a point of view, and you have an expertise that is needed. So embrace that you have a role and know that this is a big part of becoming a leader and owning your leadership role and the responsibility that comes along with that and showing up. And, and I think sometimes if we remember that we all have something to teach, we all have something to share that can get us past that point also of talking ourselves out of, well, I shouldn't be doing this presentation, someone else should, and maybe passing up opportunities that would really be helpful for us to all get visibility. So, you know, in thinking about why is it important to be a presenter, to learn how to be a presenter, a storyteller, to communicate effectively in these forums, these are huge opportunities for our growth to be leaders and to step into those roles in our organizations and our lives. You know, Kelly, I'll send you over the link to just throw in and out there. Another great reference for folks is Nancy Duarte. She's got uh, not only some books like Resonate and uh, some video TED Talks about, you know, how to produce sort of the structure of really, really good talks. And I love her, her format for, you know, kind of describing something the way it, what, you know, what is, and then kind of leaning right into of the what could be, and then going back into the what is, and it's just kind of, and she's done an analysis of like the best talks out there from, you know, Gandhi, all the way to Steve Jobs to, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but like, she's done this analysis and they all have very similar structures and patterns to how the the talk is is sort of outlined, and I think that's also a super interesting thing to examine if you're trying to you know drive say transformational change across an organization on doing something because you always kind of give you got to give the the uh, the feeling of how it is today and what is possible, and you know you kind of bounce back and forth between a lot of that. I find it to be very very effective. Yeah, love that. Um I, I lost my connectivity there for a minute, so sorry about that. But and so hopefully I'm not being repetitive. But just in terms of what your last question was around people who are who are really uncomfortable is I just think that and we talked about this, Kelly. It's like just breathe because I find sometimes I hold my breath somehow and I find myself out of breath and I have to just stop for a minute and breathe and get my lungs to relax a little bit and to really embrace the moments of silence. Like it's okay to have pauses. That's where you give your audience the chance to, you know, to assimilate what you just said, right? Believe in yourself, tell stories. Um, 
So I just wanted to let you know. And then another, I had a couple resources I wanted to mention as well. And especially for people that are really uncomfortable is getting into Toastmasters, just get you into practice regularly. So you can really, you know, go out there and test the ground and test it with people that maybe don't work with you or don't even know you. That's a really great resource. And also I want to reference Dan Locke, uh, L-O-C-K. He is pretty phenomenal. He talks about how he got into being comfortable with sharing his stories and sharing his perspective and a lot of other wonderful leadership content as well. Could I just jump in and, and, and uh, I want to tout improv. Ah, uh, learning yes. improv is a, a great way to practice spontaneity and be able to deal with a lot of it's really helped me in my uh, career. And uh, if I can also just say there, I uh, have an improv room on Clubhouse Tuesdays at 5 p.m. We talk about some of the improv and play some games. So um, there's a lot of storytelling and improv, and that's really helped me a lot. So this is Izzy. I'm done for now. Fantastic. Oh, Thank Izzy, you, Izzy. That's so outstanding. Impromptu speaking is so incredibly powerful. Improv, being able to just speak off the, you know, somebody could ask you to talk about grass, and you got to be able to just do it. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Everybody take a moment to follow Izzy and try to get into his room as well. That'd probably be very helpful. Yeah, and I'll add on that I think that part of um... – you know, part of what I, as I was thinking about even practice in addition, and I love that, that, you know, improv is a huge one as well as the other the resources that were shared. I think also for most folks is find a forum like this, right? Whether it's clubhouse or it's another, you know, joining a group or a club or improv classes, whatever it is, joining even forums like this is so powerful to just get comfortable thinking on your toes, having a dialogue, getting comfortable speaking to folks, you know, and you don't know. I have found that even for myself, there's been a couple of different um, interviews and, and, and conversations I've had to have over the last couple of weeks. And I kind of looked back at these forums and thought, oh, this has actually helped me get into a cadence of understanding how to have a dialogue, both how I'm talking and speaking as a presenter, but also how I'm interacting with those around me. So if I'm interviewing someone or I'm in a podcasting setup, how do I kind of have that back and forth where I'm sharing some, you know, my expertise or perspective but I'm also practicing active listening. So I actually hear what the other people are saying or what the audience is saying, and it helps navigate. So in addition to all the resources we'll share, you know, find a forum and, you know, again, be it use this one, use others, but really get comfortable just speaking more openly and having more fluid conversations and just taking down your guard and being vulnerable and taking some of the pressure off in some of these safe spaces. Yes, yeah, I great. I love that. And, you know, just I'll throw on because we've talked about productivity tools. I have a, you know, a quarterly reminder that goes every quarter, just find some new speaking opportunity. Yes. Great. Yeah, it's so important. And again, that could be Toastmasters. That could be the improv that Izzy referenced. There's lots of forums out there to get that exposure. The more you get exposed, the more comfortable you get. You know, some of us just naturally feel comfortable with it. Others just, it, it's just, it's so vulnerable for them. So it's worth it to make the investment and being here today was making the investment. And thank you everyone for being here with us today. Um, again, remember we do meet every Saturday at 930. We encourage you to come back, bring others that you think would benefit from this as well. Follow those in the room. Great resource for your network to expand your network. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and close this down um, with a quote from Michael Margolis, storytelling is about connecting to other people and helping other people to see what you see. So with that, 
leaders go out and lead with clarity and confidence. Have a great weekend. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend.